Hear now these words of lament from Psalm 79. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the air for food, the flesh of your faithful to the wild animals of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. How long, O Lord? Will you be angry forever? Will your jealous wrath burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. Do not remember against us the iniquities of our ancestors. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you. According to your great power, preserve those doomed to die. Return sevenfold into the bosom of our neighbors, the taunts with which they taunted you, O Lord. Then we, your people, the flock of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. May God add a blessing upon the reading of this word. Will you pray with me? O God, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Allow us to hear the message that you have for us today. Amen. This week, somebody asked me about my process for writing a sermon. As I shared a little bit of my process, I followed up with, it's strange because sometimes I'll sit down to write a sermon and the sermon just flows out of me. It feels so easy and natural. Other times, it's like pulling teeth. I sit down at my computer to write, and I either can't get my thoughts together or there's no thoughts there whatsoever. (laughs) This week was a pulling teeth kind of sermon. When Pastor Lou and Pastor Bob and I talked about preaching from the Psalms during the month of September, I thought, man, this is a great idea. We generally don't hear the psalms being preached on too often in church. This could be really interesting for us as preachers and hopefully for you all, the congregation as well. I thought that until I read the psalm I was to preach on. (laughs) Psalm 79 isn't exactly an uplifting psalm. Why, oh why, wasn't I up to preach the week that we talked about and and heard Pastor Lou preaching on Psalm 139, maybe one of my all-time favorite psalms, the one where we uh, hear the beautiful poetic words of God knowing us as we were knit together in our mother's wombs. What a joy it would have been for me to tell you all, to remind you all that you are a beautiful, beloved creation of God 
created in God's very own beautiful image. Instead, I get blood on the streets. I get dead bodies laying about as food for the birds, and I get the people bargaining with God. The imagery from today's psalm is tough to hear. It's graphic, and it may even seem unholy, and yet it's real. The stories in our Bibles aren't superficial stories designed to make us feel good all the time. They are the stories that are told throughout the generations that tell us about the nature of God and about the nature of humanity. They can be raw and challenging. They can be lovely and painful. They can be uplifting, and they can cut straight into the most tender places in our hearts. The beauty of the Psalms, all 150 of them, is that they illustrate the fullness of the human experience. They are filled with praise and awe. They're filled with petitions to God. And yes, they're even filled with laments. They encompass the range of our human emotions. They teach us how to bring our whole selves to God, not just the parts we think we ought to show to God. Psalm 79 is not an uplifting psalm, and it need not be. To be uplifting would be an insult to the Jewish community who had been conquered, separated, and stripped of their identity after King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army defeated Judah, destroying Jerusalem and demolishing their temple. It is graphic. It is tough to hear, but it is not unholy. This Jewish community was in pain, and they cried out to their God in the only way that they knew how to cry out. God, look at what our enemies have done to us. They have defiled this place that we call holy. They have insulted you. They have left our loved ones on the street as food for the birds. They have left us bare, exposed, and unprotected. Oh, God, we hurt, and we're scared. The psalms of lament, which make up about a third of the Psalter, can be gut-wrenching. Reading them can make us want to turn away so that we don't feel our own pain from reading those psalms. They are poetry, though. They are designed to express human emotions in ways that other forms of literature cannot. Poet Kathleen Norris writes this about the psalms. The psalms don't theologize or explain anger away. One reason for this is that is that the psalms are poetry, and poetry's function is not to explain, but rather to offer, uh, ex to offer images and stories that resonate with our lives. In expressing all of the complexities and contradictions of the human experience, the psalms, they act as good psychologists. They defeat our tendency to try to be holy without being human. First, our culture teaches us that we are to wear masks to show the world that we have things all together. 
and many of us are really good at this. On the outside, things may appear fine, but inside ourselves may tell a completely different story. And for the most part, many of us are able to keep up appearances. That is, until crisis hits. Crisis can be a time of unveiling and showing what's really happening beneath the surface for us. In February of 2018, a domestic violence call came into the 911 dispatch center, and two Westerville police officers responded to the residents of this phone call. These police officers arrived to a family in crisis. The husband had a gun, and the wife and small child were hiding for fear of their safety. The crisis escalated, and both police officers were shot and killed. This situation threw the city of Westerville into a season of communal lament. Anger, confusion, and disbelief were the presenting emotions. How could this happen in our community? Why did this happen? And anger in so many different directions was almost always a part of the conversation. The people were stunned. This wasn't supposed to happen in our community, was a statement I heard over and over again. Community and faith groups planned services of prayer and lament. Vigils for the fallen officers were held. The community was in pain, and these communal expressions of sorrow brought the community together in ways that only crisis and grief can. All of this was happening at the beginning of Lent that year, and we had chosen to do a book study on Archbishop Desmond Tutu's book, The Book of Forgiving. This challenging book proved to be even more challenging in light of the community's grief, and reading through the book brought so many questions to our discussions group, discussion groups throughout the Lenten season. Questions like, how do we forgive someone we don't know? How do we forgive systemic issues in our community? How do we forgive ourselves for ways that we've either been ignorant or ignored the cries of the hurting? My people began to ask questions about broad issues that affect all communities, issues we often want to turn a blind eye to, Things like, what does it mean that direct domestic violence is a reality for some? Where is there racism that is alive and present in our community? What about socioeconomic disparity, human trafficking, and, and help for people that are suffering from substance abuse? Underlying issues which lead to pain in our lives began to rise to the surface. Lamenting over the presenting situation of the death of the police officers turned to lament over the other ways that our society is broken and hurts people. It was not an easy season, but I was witness to the beauty of community in ways that I could have never imagined. I saw people reach out to one another in compassion and in new ways, hearts began to soften and open. When our pretenses are stripped 
and our pain can rise to the surface, the realness of our human emotions can bind us to one another. God works through our pain, healing us, changing us, and moving us close to one another and to God. The Psalms teach us that God wants us to bring our whole selves, all of our humanness forward. God wants us to expose our soft underbellies, the vulnerable places in our lives. These are the places where we can connect in much deeper ways with God and with one another. We don't always want to do this, though. It's scary. There's risk involved and we may get hurt. Author Rachel Held Evans laments that church doesn't always embrace the messy and unresolved psalms. In fact, psalms of lament, though they make up a third of our Psalter, are mostly absent from our Protestant liturgy. She contends that this serves to support our American tendency to lean towards optimism rooted in success money and power and when we do this we rob people in the church the opportunity to bring all of themselves their pain their joy their heartache their worry their anxiety their optimism all of it into their faith community and when we do this our faith communities start to become superficial places we miss out on the healing and bonding which happens through pain. Held Evans also mentions that she's heard from readers who have left their churches because, listen to this, there are no songs for them to sing after the divorce. There are no songs for them to sing after the miscarriage, the shooting, the earthquake, the diagnosis, the attack, the bankruptcy, all of these things that we experience as humans. It's interesting, and it's sad. Have we gotten so far away from the biblical stories that we fail to truly express the fullness of our human emotions? Even Jesus wept. In the story of the death of his friend Lazarus, Jesus had been summoned when Lazarus was still ill. But he didn't arrive until after Lazarus had died and was buried. Mary and Martha, both sisters of Lazarus, were angry with Jesus for not coming when they called for him. When he arrives, the community is in the midst of deep grief. And Jesus looks for Mary. John's Gospel tells the story this way. The teacher is here and calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. 
He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. Jesus began to weep. Jesus, both fully human and fully divine, began to weep. Not a trickle of tears, not a misting in the eyes, not a sniffle, but he began to weep, tears flowing from his eyes. It is okay for us to weep. It is okay for us to feel sorrow. It is okay for us to even be angry. It's okay for us to feel all of the human emotions. Jesus felt them. Created in God's very own image, we were designed with these emotions for a reason. And they are not to shove down and ignore. They are what make us human and make us different from other parts of God's creation. Our emotions give us the capacity for compassion because we understand feelings of sadness, despair, hopelessness, anger, joy, fulfillment, and awe. We understand how to connect with one another in deep and meaningful ways. Our humans are a uni- our emotions are a universal human condition. They transcend religion, race, economic status, culture, all of it. Emotions bind us together and remind us that we are human, beautifully created in God's very own image. Well, I finally got myself into a headspace yesterday morning where I knew I needed to sit down and write a sermon. No amount of me lamenting about the difficulties of this psalm was going to change the fact that I still had to stand up here in front of you all and say something. So I opened up my Bible, and I read the psalm once again, and I began to weep. I wept for the pain of our ancestors, the pain that they bore as a result of war. I wept for the loss of life and community, stability, identity, and safety. I wept for the destruction of the temple, this place where people got to come together and worship God in community. I wept for families which were separated as a result of the exile inflicted upon them by the Babylonians. The sermon ended up pouring out of my heart and my head and onto the pages of my manuscript. God works through the pain that we bear and is always creating something new. Eventually, the Babylonian Empire fell and the Jews were able to return home. The home didn't look the same as it had before. Eventually, the temple was rebuilt and lasted until about 40 years after Jesus' death. Lazarus' death didn't end with his death. Jesus, filled with compassion, raised Lazarus from the dead. Our lives are not static. Through God, the end of the story is never death and despair. It is always new life and resurrection. It's going to look different than it did before, But God is always creating and recreating. No matter how hopeless we feel or how bad things may get, 
God is always at work, loving us, holding us tenderly in our pain, and weeping with us. As God weeps, God is moved with compassion and always works on our healing. This is part of the gift of being in community. The healing happens with and through one another, through God's very own beautiful grace. May each of us be moved with compassion this week. May each of us have the courage to be raw and real in this world. And may each of us remember that we are not alone. We are always accompanied by the God who loved us enough to breathe life into our very own lungs. Amen. I'd invite you as you are able to rise as we sing our closing hymn together.